Welcome back to Community Matters, your girl, Super Cindy. We have been speaking to Broward Sheriff Gregory Tony. Let's continue. And then strengthening partnerships with the community. Because I feel like when the, the previous sheriff got replaced by you, a lot of the community people were like, mm, and not, not feeling it. So how are we connecting the community again? Yeah. So, look, the previous administration had uh, a very high focal point on marketing. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm a business guy now. I've had some very good business experiences uh, in my life. There was a real marketing strategy to show your face, get involved in the community in terms of appearance, but those aren't long sustainable community projects and goals. Mm-hmm. That's good for elections. Yeah. That gets you voted in the office because it appears that you care. It appears that you're doing things. But what I looked at is, okay, we had a community outreach program that was designed really for as a marketing strategy. Mm. So how much outreach was actually being done? Mm. We've rebuilt, rebranded, uh, end up disbanding that entire group, creating something of substance called our neighborhood support teams, where now every single one of our districts has a sergeant assigned and a um, deputy assigned led up by a captain and a new group of civilian employees that are from Broward County who mm. live in this community, mm. uh, which is another employment opportunity for some good people mm-hmm. that are qualified. And now we have a more positive engagement where we're building in each one of those districts a coalition of, of members as part of this neighborhood support team, five pastors, five school teachers, five business owners, whatever it may be, so that we can have a clear understanding about what the issues are mm-hmm. in every single community. You get like Think about it this way, Cindy. I have roughly 15 cities. We'll just call it that. Mm-hmm. The issues and concerns in Dania Beach are totally different than what Lotta they Hill. are in <laughs> Parkland or Lotta Hill, right? We can yeah. go across different. We can go across the entire uh, county. Mm-hmm. So how can you truly have effective community policing in Dania Beach if you don't have a sense of what's going on in Dania Beach, if you don't have exactly. boots on the ground, people who are constantly engaged? So mm-hmm. we did that. That was one step. The second side of, and you know this, you grew up up, up north, a New mm-hmm. Yorker, uh, police officers up north did something called walking the beat. Mm-hmm. You had to get out your car. You had to walk in your community. Not just keep driving by. No, that's right. <laughs> and I, I I remember every local police officer. Uh, we had, One guy that walked my neighborhood, we called him Batman. Um, big, tall, and I'm curious how he's doing. Big, tall, um, athletic officer. But he knew every single one of us, right? So if we did something stupid in the neighborhood, he wasn't quick to take everybody to jail. Yeah. Instead, he would take me back to my mother. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I wish he had took me to jail. <laughs> right? It was worse so than jail. It was to worse than jail. But he knew everything that was going on. He knew my mom worked four jobs. Mm-hmm. Right? He knew what my sisters were doing for helping out with babysitting. He knew all the local drug dealers in the neighborhood mm-hmm. and what was going on. So you didn't feel like it was some invasion of the guys in blue. You're just like, hey, man, that's Batman. He's yeah. one of us. It went a long way. So I've reinstituted or I instituted a project here called Park Walk and Talk. And now our deputies are getting out of the cars. They're walking and engaging their communities. They're talking and getting an understanding for who they work for. Mm-hmm. Who are the people in the community? Because if you understand people, it's automatically going to reduce conflict, right? It's going to allow for more empathy on certain things. And that's what we need. We don't need to arrest everybody, mm-hmm. right? God knows if we arrested everyone for minor incidents that occur in this county, we'd run out of jail space, first Hello. of all. Mm-hmm. Even our current uh, status in terms of how many people we have in jail is too high, way too high. We spend roughly $275 million of that billion-dollar budget on maintaining the jails. Wow. All right? That's 
That's absurd. That's a lot. So we have to figure out other strategies. Uh, I talked about the park, walk, and talk program that we put in, Mm -hmm. and then the neighborhood support team. Both of those elements are working hand-in-hand to where we're getting a greater exposure, and people are understanding, like, hey, maybe it's not what I see in a Hollywood movie. Like every any profession, we have some bad apples, but that's my job to make sure to we, pick them out we, and we find pick them, pick them out and get rid of it, right? Yeah. Um, but overall, we've done a lot of great things. You talked about the training aspect. Mm-hmm. When I first came in here, we were pretty much on every ch- uh, news channel about the deficiencies behind training. I went up the major NAMA EXO. Uh, we went up to D.C. I met with all our different federal partners, brought back the top training in the United States down to Broward County and certified all our deputies and training staff, uh, enhanced that by doubling it, and trained and certified everyone under the top skill traits that are required for active shooter preparedness and response protocols. Mm. And now we are the only agency in the United States, not just Florida, not just Broward <laughs> County, in the United States mm-hmm. to acquire all the top certifications through Homeland Security and the FBI. Wow. So we're better by a ton. Uh, but then we instituted, instituted some things for school safety mm-hmm. where we talked about um, lessons learned. Like after Stoneman Douglas, we looked at the case analysis, and there was a lot of confusion that day. You know, people when officers and deputies were responding, it was like, hey, is the shooter on the first floor? Is he on the second floor? Is he in the parking garage? Is this happening now? Is this 10 minutes ago? Mm-hmm. We have so many camera systems and, and technologies today. It made sense for us to maximize that and use it. So I met with some of our captains, and we built out what's called our real-time crime center and headquarters. It was mm-hmm. just a matter of reallocating $2.5 million that was already there. And what that looks like is it's an emergency operations center with a 40-foot wall and a 16-foot wall that is totally outfitted with all the camera systems, and we are tied into every roughly 10,000 camera systems across 260 schools in Broward County. And when schools go into lockdown, for my mothers who are concerned about this stuff, we're paying attention. As school goes into lockdown, we pull up all the cameras. Our team is examining every square inch of the school. We dispatch accurately. And then we also have in our facility, we partnered up with the ATF, Secret Service, and the FBI so that we're always sharing intelligence. We launched that in February. Took office January 11th. We did it started out as a little pilot. I put them in a little room <laughs> with like four TVs and some cameras and said, get to work. And they had a lot of success. I said, okay, if you can do that in 300 square foot, then boom, here's your check. Here's here's your $2 million. Let's go. How long? And they built it out, and we've had a, a ton, a ton of uh, good case studies on it. When we see on the news, like, the um, lockdowns of a school, because mm-hmm. something happened a few blocks away, but they locked down the school, yeah. the cameras go into work there like yep, that? we're on it. Wow. Yeah. That's school. very good to know. We, in all our command staff, we get alerts for anything that's going on uh, throughout the county. Um, our real-time crime center, it's managed by a division, our threat management division. And those detectives in there, they're seasoned, they're veterans, they know what they're doing. They pull these cameras up and they guide us through every single step of the way. That's so awesome. Mm-hmm. Hopefully across the country, they'll start implementing it. So, Sheriff, the time is running out. Yes. Where can everybody follow the movements, learn the initiatives, just follow everything with Broward County's, you know, BSO. Yeah, so the two things. Um, I'll give you the, the inside part for the agency. If you yes. want to check and take a look at things we're doing, go to sheriff.org. Um, we have all our initiatives outlined in the Sheriff Tony initiatives, things that we accomplished this year, things that we'll be rolling into next year. Uh, if you're looking to kind of, hey, let me chat with the sheriff, give him a shout out. Let me see <laughs> some of the events that he's running to, some of the projects. Mm-hmm. You can also go to BSO Sheriff Tony uh, on Instagram. 
It is me. Uh, I take. It's not his intern. It's it's not (laughs) my intern. It's not my stunt double. (laughs) It's not some captain that I, you know, I I may do this stuff. I I, want to be connected to the community, so it's fine. Um, and I and sometimes you know some nasty comments that come in. That's part of it. But I I get more. Don't worry, I get those too. I get more love than hate, so it's okay. (laughs) If you're looking to track and participate, I'm in a political season. Right. I had a launch as a candidate a few months ago. We're Mm -hmm. having a lot of success so far. But we need volunteers. We need mm-hmm. people uh, that want to participate, not just money. Uh, join us at SheriffTony2020.com. And we'd love to have you on board if you like what you're hearing, if you like what you're seeing. And I think those are two ways to kind of contact. I just want to thank Sheriff Gregory Tony for stopping by Community Matters. You filled us with a lot of information. And I hope hopefully the listeners got to know you a little bit better than your non-blinking press uh <laughs> press yes. reports that you do on the My news stoic look that's <laughs> yeah, what they call stoic. it mm-hmm. start blinking i i've never noticed that you don't blink. i don't have that's time to say. blink <laughs> you got business to take care business, of right <laughs> your girl super cindy community matters 99 jams so we are continuing the show um with a very special person and we're here to just talk about you know it's the end of 2019 beginning 2020 a new decade lots of changes should be happening i I'm here with Dr. Delvina. Good morning, doctor. Hey, good morning. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about this. We were just talking off air about the holidays and the pressures and the stress and the this. Now, we've survived, I think, the holiday, Christmas, all the malls going crazy and everybody's returning stuff. What are your thoughts on just the madness of the holidays and the pressures and the stresses that, you know, well, we... I think there's a whole process, right? And so we could actually break it down into sort of, I guess... Um, the the pre-phase, the beginning phases, right, mm-hmm. of holiday madness because mm-hmm. people start thinking about the holidays like in October. Mm-hmm. Um, Thanksgiving is coupled in there with Christmas mm-hmm. and then, of course, we hit New Year's. And so you have the buildup, mm-hmm. all the stress that you have to think about with what you're doing with family or if you don't have family, mm-hmm. right? So for every scenario, there's pros and cons. Yep. And then you finally hit the holiday and then once the holiday is over, it's like it's back to real world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of stress that's involved the entire the entire scenario with the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, so each area or point in time has its own special stress because of dealing with um, either the holiday blues, planning for what you have to do, and then also what follows that. Because people realize, I think, I'm going into a new year. There's got to be, we're all programmed to think about, there has to be something different about me right now. Mm-hmm. I have to go into this new year. I got to do things differently. I have to make things happen. The resolution to, has to happen the first day. Exactly. <laughs> and so, and then we're getting away from the whole resolutions, right? Because mm-hmm. people have downplayed that. Oh, don't have resolutions. You should yeah. have lifelong this, this <laughs> and that. So people, though, are still making plans and they're looking back over the last year and maybe the last few years and they're saying, what can I do differently? How can I change? How can I transform? And that is the thing to do, but you got to take it in stride. So, uh, but for those that, you know, aren't familiar with you, let's, because I, I totally went into it because I know you. So, <laughs> but there's a lot of listeners that aren't familiar with who you are. So let everybody know exactly who Dr. Delvina is, your offices, all that. Sure. So, man, I'm just, you know, I'm just an average black female out here mm-hmm. trying to get it. <laughs> and um, and what drives me trying to get it is my passion about mental wellness and helping mm-hmm. people to live better. Um, I never realized it before. When I was younger, I wanted to become a physician and I thought I wanted to be a woman's doctor so I could talk to women about living healthy, deliver babies. And mm-hmm. then I got to medical school and was like, oh, my God, this is a lot of surgery. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. I didn't have surgical hands. I mm-hmm. believe things like um, 
um, hairstylists and makeup mm-hmm. artists and surgeons. Have I believe they have hands. a God-given gift with their hands. Yes, mm-hmm. ma'am. And so I didn't have that gift. But instead, God gave me the gift of discernment and insight. And as I was sort of just looking at the different specialties, seeing how I can help people, seeing how I can sort of um, use my gift of talking to folks, making them feel better, mm-hmm. I decided on psychiatry. Uh, and not only that, psychiatry, as far as uh, as far as a business and longevity, when you look at, because you always have to look at the pros and cons of an occupation. Mm-hmm. So I selected psychiatry for a lot of different reasons. Number one, I felt like God spoke to me, and um, finished medical school, went to do a residency for four years in psychiatry and neurology in Baltimore at mm-hmm. the University of Maryland. And uh, right before I started that, I joined the U.S. Army Reserves. I grew up an Army brat. My father was in the military. So I always knew I was going to go in. But Mm -hmm. at the time, 9-11 had happened, Mm. and they needed physicians and especially psychiatrists. I was like, this is the perfect time to um, serve my country. So went into the military, finished my residency, and decided uh, my mom passed away while I was in residency, in the Mm. middle of residency. And that was a, a pretty big hit. So I wanted to leave Maryland, which is where I was living. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom wasn't there, so I just totally selected Florida randomly. I went on job interviews around the country and decided when I was sitting at Bayside Super Bowl weekend, <laughs> 2000, it was 2007, Super mm-hmm. Bowl weekend, like mm-hmm. I could totally live here. I love the water. Mm-hmm. It's therapeutic. I love the hot sun. Mm-hmm. Came here, worked for the Bureau of Prisons for eight years as the chief psychiatrist and their clinical director, and then I decided to open a private practice in 2013, which really didn't get going to 2014 and I got deployed again with the army. So went away with the army, but this practice that I just opened came back in 2015. And that's when I've just been kind of plugging away since then. You know, listening to your story of how you became a doctor and everything, it's crazy because the patients that you have been servicing are the super traumatized, like from prisoners to military at war How, like when you're in school to become a psychiatrist, I know there's levels of mental unstableness, Mm -hmm. but like you went to all the way to the extreme extreme. Like, how do you prepare for that as a doctor? So you get certain training during residency, right? Mm -hmm. With a lot of things, it's just like anything else. You have to be self-motivated. You got to read and research and train and teach yourself a lot of things. And just like a surgeon, just like um, a, a hairstylist, makeup artist, some things God give that God gives to us naturally. Mm-hmm. So some of those things, I believe it's from, you know, just God speaking to me, speaking through me. Um, I feel like I'm anointed to do certain things. Um, and then, of, of course, the gift of discernment. Um, and then I'm a, I'm motivated. I like to learn. So I'll go to conferences. I'll go to classes. I'll go. I don't ever know enough. Once you feel like you know enough, Mm -hmm. you're done. Once Mm -hmm. you feel like you know it all. Because there's always someone out there doing something better than you or more efficient or learning something new. Because we don't have the time in the day. So when I'm learning this, somebody else is over here doing this. Mm -hmm. So I might want to know about that. So it's a combination of things. What's natural for you. Also schooling, your education, and being a, a, you have to continuously learn. I love that. And and that's true in any field, too. It like, is. And even not even in career field, personal. 
personal gains yeah, and growth. Self-love, yeah. self-help books and yes. things like that to keep you growing. Yeah, we can't get complacent in this world. We just Hello. can't do it. Because this world is moving too fast. It is. With or without us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so we spoke a little bit about getting through the holiday hump. Um, what are some of the things that some of your patients or that you see are the things that they're going through because of the stresses and pressure mm-hmm. that holiday season has to be perfect? And then they scroll Ooh. on Instagram and see one girl get a get a Rolls Royce with a bow, <laughs> and then they go outside and barely got a straw. Or right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you use that example mm-hmm. because um, I think financial woes, right? Mm-hmm. So that always seems to come up. Financial is an issue for people. It's like people buy into this thing about money. If I have more money, I'll be happier. And it's not true. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's good to have, you know, some nice stuff, some fly stuff, get the most recent this or that or the newest this or that. But you have to you have to um, appreciate what matters in life. The money is not necessarily what matters. It does help you to live better, Mm -hmm. depending. Right. Because someone could be making hundreds of thousands of dollars less than you and living life and loving it and enjoying themselves. Because when you make two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year and you spend, you know, two hundred forty thousand a year on garbage or junk that doesn't really mean anything that has no value. The person making forty thousand a year who's investing a little portion of their money and that money's growing, that's using their money wisely and they have fifteen thousand or $20,000. These are just examples, but you get what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes people, especially in America, the more you make, the more you spend. spend. So quality of life really doesn't come down to that. And the flashy gifts, those things don't matter. It's time. That's the thing that matters. So... What are the things that people are dealing with during the holidays? Financial is one because Mm -hmm. we subscribe to this whole thing about it's Christmas time. That means I have to go out here, have a long list of stuff I have to buy for all these people, which when it comes to children and, you know, certain folks, they really don't give a a darn about that gift. Like those kids might play with it for a few minutes and it's over with. I'm bored. (laughs) I'm bored. Moving on to the next thing or whatever. (laughs) We should teach our kids that it doesn't come down to that. Now, don't get me wrong when my son was little i liked the fantasy also as a little girl of santa Mm -hmm. claus coming and having the cookies and Mm -hmm. he's coming down the chimney that did not freaking exist (laughs) and it's like okay but your imagination again well maybe he came through the door so and with my son i would buy some stuff you know Mm -hmm. once he got to a certain age i explained to him it's really silly for you this is when of course he was past the santa claus thing it's kind of like what do you think about giving me a list of stuff and you know what's on the list and he never really subscribed to this anyway and i think Uh it's because of how we lived our lives but Mm -hmm. you're giving me a list of stuff you know what's on the list i'm gonna go buy the stuff and wrap it up but you already know Know about you already know (laughs) so it's kind of silly when you think about it Mm -hmm. and my mom didn't do that when my brothers and i were old enough to know that santa didn't exist my mom actually would do her shopping throughout the year right because she was a smart she was a smart shopper Mm -hmm. so we were in maryland for the most part and when it was cold outside she would buy the warm stuff because it was on clearance when Mm -hmm. it was hot she would buy the cold stuff so she would buy stuff i learned this later one time i went through her closet and she would have stuff in her closet that she would you know give out for gifts and she would buy stuff closer to the holiday too but they were meaningful gifts that you could use and learn from and maintain and, and meant keep that meant keep. something, mm-hmm. right? So that's the important part. So don't allow finances to make you struggle. All this crap doesn't matter. And I did it too where I would go shopping and buy all this long list of stuff. And then some years ago, I was like, why do I do this? <laughs> this makes me unhappy. I'm spending money. I'm out here in these crowds. It just doesn't make sense. 
So the financial part and then also relationships. Mm -hmm. So the worst time to break up or to have a separation Mm -hmm. is during the holidays, whether Mm. it be that whole Thanksgiving Christmas thing is all rolled into one. Every commercial is about being in love and getting a diamond necklace and you mattering. (laughs) And then there's Valentine's Day. Uh, Right after. So those are the two two worst times for breakups. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, people, if they know they're unhappy in a relationship, they'll decide or they'll contemplate a few months before Thanksgiving, Christmas, if they're going to break up with someone because they want to go ahead and do it and get it over <laughs> with time it so out. it doesn't get close to the holidays and they break the other person's heart or mm-hmm. I thought you know, that was just a meme. It's real. <laughs> no, it's real. No, yeah. I'm joking. I know it's real. <laughs> you know, and they'll come into the office and they want to talk about how to end a relationship. Mm. And I encourage some of them if they are comfortable with it even if they're not married, to bring in your your spouse, your mate, Mm -hmm. or your significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, and, you know, process the breakup and sort of just, if it happens, it happens. So couples therapy is not just for married people. Mm -hmm. Couples therapy is for anyone who's in a relationship. Mm -hmm. People have to keep that in mind, too, because breakups don't have to end badly. You can still be on good terms. You can still be friends. If you pick the right person, (laughs) for some, if you pick the right person to begin with, Mm -hmm. you'll still be friends with when that relationship ends or and on it, good and terms. it's crazy because like all the all the boyfriends I had in college or like when I was younger, yep. I'm still friends with them. Like some of them even still call me to see what's going on or whatever. That's because it's, you're a good person. But as I get older, it gets worse. <laughs> like my previous boyfriend, I don't talk to him. He still tried to hit me up, but I was like, now. Nah. Yeah. But let's talk about 2020. <laughs> I, I want to move on from that okay. time. Like, he gotcha. might be listening. <laughs> 2020, doctor, so many things. Things, new decade, mm. 2020, we have to have clear vision. Yes. I love that. Someone told me that. And I was like, yes. Yeah. What is our, what should be our, what game plan should we be preparing for 2020? You know, I think whatever we do, we need to be proactive. That's my word. I always talk about being proactive. So having a plan in place, preparing beforehand, acknowledging some of the things that can happen or go wrong and being ready for it. Um, as opposed to waiting for a disaster to strike or waiting for a circumstance that's adverse to occur and then you're trying to respond to it, you know, and you're just sort of like trying to get something together so you can address it. So I think 2020, any new year, but especially 2020, because so many things have happened when we think about it. Um, In the last 10 years, in the last five years, this whole presidency thing and Mm -hmm. all this stuff was going on with the racism, the discrimination, just so many things have happened in our country. But moving forward, right, start looking at you. A lot of people, so politics are in the news. They've been in the news, but even more so now because another election is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some some people are over-consumed by what's happening in politics. And you got to stop and ask yourself anytime, not just with politics, but you got to stop and ask yourself, when a scenario is taking place, how does this affect me directly? Mm. Right. What is my position in this scenario? So and the reason why you ask yourself this is so you know how much time you should be dedicating to this problem if you see it as a problem or to the scenario. Mm -hmm. If it really doesn't directly affect you, obviously um, 
national politics has something to do with a lot of us. And mm-hmm. when we don't get involved, that's why sometimes things kind of decisions get made, like Congress being able to retire with all that money and health care benefits when the rest of the world is poor or the rest of the country is poor or, you know, half the country has no health insurance. Mm-hmm. Things like that. I'm like, how did that get away from us? How did we allow these people to get this hookup to the point of they're just they're already rich, most of them when they go in. But then when they retire, they're living lavishly. Right. So the the scales are not balanced. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so with certain things, you got to think about how is this manifesting in my life? Is there a direct connection here? How much does it affect me? And then once you determine that, you know, okay, I'm going to give this 5% of my time, 10%, 50%, whatever the case may be. All in all, the end result here is that a lot of your time, energy, emotional energy, your thoughts, right? Because we only have so much time in the day when we're able to think about stuff, mm-hmm. right? When you think about it, you're at work a lot of most of the time, or you're doing this or doing that for someone. But we don't really stop to think and meditate and just kind of consider ourselves. So, 2020 moving forward, people have to dedicate more time to them to themselves. And I'm guilty of that, and I definitely that is on my game plan. And I've already been kind of implementing that recently. Like, kind of started with my birthday. I was like, I'm out of here. (laughs) I'm going on a trip alone. Goodbye, Mm -hmm. everybody. And disconnected. So I hear, like, a lot of us don't think about ourselves. We don't. Yeah. We don't. A lot of people were busy thinking about family and friends. And depending on if you're, like, an empath, meaning you're always trying to help someone, you're always feeling badly for that next person Mm or um, wanting to help them with whatever situation they have, if you're extreme with that you're definitely not thinking about yourself and I always remind my patients people know who you are they know who you are and they know what they can get from you based on how you've been through the years your personality your uh, previous behaviors your past Mm -hmm. practices they know who to go to they know who to ask for what they know what you allow is what will continue is something I always say Mm -hmm. like when if they get away with something like one time they'll they'll never stop they'll continue keep doing it Exactly. So Mm. you just finished just what I was going to say. (laughs) Oh, sorry, doctor. No, this is good. That's good. So just spot on with that. Mm -hmm. So people have to remember that. Don't allow other people to make you feel guilty about setting boundaries and saying no. People in 2020 have to learn to say no. Say no. No as a one word, not no because. <laughs> and exactly. You don't owe an explanation to anyone. Mm-hmm. You don't have to explain to anyone why your money is doing this or doing that. <laughs> they see you. So one person, to a couple of people actually, have told me, oh, I don't I don't post a lot on my social media because then my family will see what I'm working with, basically. What the you know, heck? The type of money I have, what I'm spending. Mm-hmm. And they'll start. And it's true. People see what you have and they start thinking, well, she can do this for me. Well, she can do that. Well, call so-and-so because she was just at such and such. Blah, I blah, saw blah, her at having... the Super Bowl. And, right. <laughs> she so, was just in California. <laughs> right, right. And my thing is this. I'm living my life. I have one life to live. Mm-hmm. And so this is what I subscribe to. I'll say no. If you saw me somewhere the day before in some other country, that's for me. Hello. Right. <laughs> so that's what people have to do because you owe it to yourself. You work so hard. You owe it to yourself. So, doctor, we're out of time. So please let everybody know where they can follow your movements. If they'd like to be, you know, be a patient of yours at your office where they can contact you. Give all that information out. Sure. So I'm Dr. Dalvina on Facebook, on Instagram. I also have a YouTube 
YouTube channel, spell Dr. Dalvina Thomas. Yeah. And I'm on LinkedIn, of course. So Dr. Dalvina is DR. Don't spell out the doctor. <laughs> DR Dalvina, D E L V E, not mm-hmm. I N A. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I'm on SoundCloud. So this will be on SoundCloud as well. Ew, oh, hey, the SoundCloud. <laughs> Yes. And my office is in Fort Lauderdale, guys. So I have an office in Aventura, but Mm -hmm. my main office is in Fort Lauderdale, 2699 Sterling Road. You can hashtag brain love and see a lot of stuff about the office. But calling us 305-981-1700 or sending an email info at brainlovehelp. That's H-E-L-P dot com or Info at Dr. Delvina, same thing, D-R-D-E-L-V-E-N-A dot help, H-E-L-P. So remember, you guys, I hope everyone has an amazing, blessed, safe 2020. Let's let's get on it, you guys. This is a new decade, new year. Yes. No time to waste, you guys. Let's be well and live right. All right. Your girl, Super Cindy, Community Matters, 99 Jams. See you next year. Yay. <laughs>